everybody's basically done making their moves except for maybe the Brooklyn Nets, but we're going to break down the East right now on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Be ever ready. Recognize the city of champs. Boston, baby, we do what you can. Locked on number 18, Tatum and Brown, J team. Step back, we gon' wet that and slay teams. Of course, the Celtics, who else could it be? Screaming like KG with the Larry OB. Corrales above average, assessing the team status. Best daily pod, no cap, salary matching. Clutch like Bird to DJ, keep John on replay. Primetime, dapping up the truth on the sideline. Raining Jays, how it started, raising banners, how we finished. Locked on Celtics, pod, home of the winners. B. Hey there, thank you for making Locked On Celtics your first listen every day. Here for you Monday through Friday with a fresh, free podcast for you. Dropped wherever you get your podcast on whichever device you're using. And it's on YouTube. You can watch the show on YouTube. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, however you want to consume it. Uh, just make sure that you're subscribed, commenting, liking, all of that stuff. Uh, I'm John Corrales. I cover the Celtics for Boston Sports Journal. I've written a book called The Boston Celtics All-Time All-Stars. And I was one of the media voters for the Celtics 75th anniversary team. Today, a breakdown of the East. Now that all of the moves are basically done, uh, you know, there are some still kind of potentially big ones hanging out there with Donovan Mitchell and Kevin Durant. But for now, this is what we're basically going to see with the Eastern Conference. So, I got together with my buddy, Sean Woodley, host of the Lockdown Raptors podcast, and we decided to break it all down. So here's our conversation. I guess to begin with, you know, the sort of the, the, the defending champions of the Eastern Conference, we should probably begin with them, I suppose. Uh, they're quite good. They got Malcolm Brogdon. They didn't really lose a whole lot. Uh, where are you at with the Celtics to kind of begin this thing off? We should probably start with the defending Eastern Conference champs and where they slot into the, what I think a lot of people have is like a four-team group at the top of the Eastern Conference. But is there an argument to maybe be made that like the Celtics are on their own in that group? Uh, I don't think they're on their own. I think they're they're definitely in that in that mix and and potentially potentially the top team in the East. I think uh, Milwaukee and and Philly can certainly make a claim there, and then we'll see where the Kevin Durant saga brings everybody after that. But I'd say those are the teams that can all make a case, and mm-hmm. I I think. It might even come down to like it did this past season. It might come down to the last week of maneuvering where, oh, here's here's Milwaukee and Boston and is Boston going to arrest everybody and try to get a more advantageous road <laughs> to 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 where, you know, like uh, I, I, I think it could be that close. But Boston, certainly, I think there's two factors here for the Celtics. Obviously, they got better. They, they only lost Daniel Tice. And really, Daniel Tice wasn't exactly a huge piece of Ime Udoka's puzzle. Uh, Aaron Neesmith could potentially turn into a decent player, but that was never going to happen in Boston. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has been getting less opportunity, not more. So a place like Indiana could be a, a, a team that gives him that chance. And then after that, it was a bunch of no-name guys that were ma- mainly signed because of the pandemic and in COVID, uh, sorry, Nick Stauskas, but <laughs> yeah, watch this is a Canadian program. At least half of it is, uh, <laughs> watch your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but adding Brogdon, adding Gallinari obviously makes them better. Now you have a, 
a solid nine-man rotation, 10 if you include Peyton Pritchard, who has had some opportunities to thrive and, and has and, and has also had DNPs. So he'll, he'll be an interesting case, but they're, they're a pretty good team, one through nine. And also the other element is individual improvement, their own dealing with their own games, but also their own mentality where, you know, Grant Williams went on Duncan Robinson's podcast and basically admitted, yeah, we, we were immature. We didn't take certain things as seriously as we probably should have. And it cost them in extending the Milwaukee series and extending the heat series. And then that really, really cost them against the golden state warriors in the finals. So, uh, hopefully a bit more maturity, uh, a bit, uh, a summer to improve their own individual games and added players will make the Celtics a very formidable team and a contender for the NBA championship. It, it gives me no pleasure to b- boast about how good the Celtics are, but they, they're really good and they make me scared of what they could do in the Eastern Conference this season. You know, they, they didn't get rolling until the second half of the season last year they were what 25 and 25 at one point if they can capture at one point that's wild man like if they can capture the like unbelievable defense combined with like the explosive tatum all right hi i'm one of the 10 best players alive you know that sort of thing that he had going I, I I think they could rack up like we didn't see a, a high wins team last year, right? A 53 wins got the first seed in the Eastern Conference. I would probably venture a guess that with maybe a couple extra teams do- joining the Victor Wembanyama off and with the Celtics just kind of having their group together and a lot of continuity, I would guess the Celtics are probably going to lead the Eastern wins and probably get close to 60, if not over 60, because it's not often you don't see a team kind of run away with it. Last year, I think, was kind of a very specific set of circumstances. Um, I, I'm interested in what you think about Philly. Because I just watched the Raptors play Philly in the playoffs, and I was not terribly impressed. The Raptors were super hurt. They, uh, you know, kind of pissed away a game three that they probably could have won and then turned the series entirely. And, you know, instead, Joel Embiid hits that game winner, and they go up 3-0. And even though they kind of flirt with coming back, it was always going to be a tall order. But then they go and they, today, re-sign James Harden for less money, and they go and bring in P.J. Tucker for maybe too much money, but hey, it's P.J. Tucker, you gotta do it. They get Daniel House, they get the Anthony Melton, which I think is just such a good move, one of the better moves of the entire offseason, in my estimation, for what that Sixers team desperately needs, and... It, again, pains me to say it as someone who does not like this team very much in my day-to-day watching of basketball and enjoying the sport, but I think the Sixers are going to be really, really good again. Would you say that they're probably the closest contender to the Celtics, at least for the regular season crown? You know, I know I know the Bucks are there, and they have Giannis, and that's always going to make them a problem in the postseason, especially if they're fully healthy with Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. Not that I need to remind Celtics fans of what Chris Middleton could have done to that second-round series. Uh, but... Do you think regular season-wise, just with the depth and maybe sort of like a, a, a renewed sort of, uh, I don't want to, I don't know what the phrase I'm looking for here is, but like this is this will actually be the first year that we get to see the Harden and Bead thing full through an entire year. Do you think that could leave them to kind of be there slugging with the Celtics for potentially the top seed? We'll keep it going in just a second. First, BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in. On all of your betting needs, find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. If we're betting on the East, why not lay a few bucks on the Celtics if that's something that you like to do? 
that's a pretty good bet at this point. You can find reviews and news of every league, including MLB, NFL, obviously NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, golf. It's all there at Bet Online. It's the top online resource for all your sports wagering information. From live in-game betting to scores and podcasts, they have you covered. Head on over to Bet Online today. You can use your mobile device to do so, device to do so, and learn about the action and everything that's happening today. Bet Online is where the game starts. Please gamble responsibly. If you missed it, starting at the beginning of this week, the Locked On NFL channel was telling us which stars move the betting lines the most. Locked On is giving you the 50 most valuable players in the NFL from the odds makers at Bet Online. It started July 18th. That's this past Monday. You can get it at the Locked On NFL channel. You can find that wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you found Locked On Celtics. And it's also on YouTube. Now let's get back to it with Sean Woodley breaking down the Eastern Conference. Yeah, Philly Philly can stake a claim. I feel like Milwaukee is still going to be in that mix. I mean, they were pretty close this past year, and they had a really tough turnaround when it came to um, coming off their championship. And then you had uh, Middleton and Holiday coming off of the Olympic run and, and all of that. So and, and they were still right there. They had a chance. They were within striking distance of the top seed. So I think, I think Milwaukee is – is very close, and with Giannis, I'm, not, I'm just not going to count them out. But Philly has a chance to to make that that run as well. He, Philly Philly is such a fascinating team because they did they made great moves. The Melton move, like you mentioned, is a a huge uh, huge steal for them. And then they they tinker around the edges with with House and with Tucker. Good ancillary signings, and obviously Harden seems like if you're if you're out there willing to give up money to kind of you say hey go go sign who you need to sign and then give me the rest that that is a good sign for Philly that he's going to come in kind of hungry uh, because otherwise why would you do that why would you mm-hmm. tell them to go sign good players and, and give me less money. If you're going to be lazy about it, just say no. Give me, give me all the money. Who cares about what you're going to do? I'm going to loaf through it anyway, so it doesn't matter. So, uh, and then Embiid, the Embiid thing is is also fascinating because he has always been motivated to go for an MVP. Yeah, and he continues to not get them. And I'm not here to open up that can of worms. What I am going to say is it's the off season, but it's not that deep in the off season not, yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll wait on that. that. That's at least September conversation. <laughs> but the maybe, maybe, and I'll, I'll, from a Philly perspective, my hope would be: okay, we get it, Joel. You want an MVP? Calm down a little bit with mm-hmm. that, and. If it happens, it happens. What's going to get you the MVP is the Sixers being really good, and and maybe maybe he ends up losing it. What a side note! What a kick in the sack it would be if Harden wins the MVP. Finally, <laughs> finally, Philly is good enough to get an MVP, and it's Harden. Oh my uh, God. That Embiid might be, ask for a trade. He might be done. That might be. It. I think Embiid might cry and start a fight. Uh, but if I'm if I'm if I'm a, a Philly, 
you know, if I'm in that Philly front office or on that Philly coaching staff, I just say, look, Joel, just play your normal game. Don't go too crazy. We're going to have to rest you. Maybe you don't play some back-to-backs. We're going to limit your minutes to like 33, 32. And, and if that, you know, that, that might cost you some votes. But what what's really going to do it for you is if you win a championship. And honestly, if he is great and they win a championship, then he might get the, hey, uh, we'll vote for him next year kind of MVP, that delayed MVP. I mean, he might be due for one of those anyway. So yeah. I, I think I think Philly has a very high ceiling. Yeah. But also, you never know with these guys. Embiid can, can hurt, get hurt. Harden can suddenly lose interest. Uh, and then if one of those, if those two things happen, or if one of those things happens, then the entire thing can go down the toilet, and all of a sudden, Doc's out. People are getting <laughs> traded. You know, uh, Harden's opting out next summer. Harden, yeah. yeah, Harden's like spending the you know spending January on a hiatus at a strip club. It's just it's you never know. So they they certainly have a case to be made for championship contender. They will be one of the contenders, one of the favorites. But they they have reasonable potential for a low floor. Yeah, I think they're going to win a lot of games, but I also am holding off on, like, of the sort of trio of Milwaukee, Boston, Philly, I think I'd still slot Philly in third in terms of, like, championship equity just because, I mean, great. James Harden signed for less money. Can he move? Because in the playoffs last year, he couldn't. Like, there were times where he couldn't get by Malachi Flynn in isolation. That's a problem. Like... I love Malachi Flynn. He's fine. Uh, you should not be having problems with Malachi Flynn if you're James freaking hard in a playoff <laughs> series. And so I really am fascinated to see how the hamstring sort of recovers for him. Is that just the thing that was he was dealing with last season and it's gone behind him? Or is that a byproduct of being a 30-something-year-old player with a lot of miles on your legs? We'll see. I am going to hold sort of my... My biggest Philly optimism until we actually see the product and how Harden actually looks, because I do think that's kind of the determining factor here. I'm curious about Miami because they were the one seed last year. They made it to game seven of the conference finals, as you well know. They obviously have Jimmy Butler, who is one of the, what, eight best players alive, like in the playoffs at least, regular season. He kind of chills playoffs. Playoff Jimmy's just a, a maniac. Um, you know, Bam is obviously great and missed a lot of time last season and probably is going to go enter the season as like the favorite for defensive player of the year because he was maybe you could argue the best defensive player in his very limited time last year. So I, I get the argument and like, you know, Eric Spolster is a really good coach. They coach to win really hard and they're a very good regular season win machine. I kind of wonder if maybe it behooves them to take a chill pill in the regular season a little bit and not try so hard with all of the very old players they have on their roster. Kyle Lowry, obviously, is going to be, what, 36, 37. You know, Butler's ain't not getting any younger. Where are you at with the Heat? Do you think they are still kind of in that top quartet of, like, legit title contenders among the East teams? And if so, you know, does do you even care what their regular season looks like as long as they get to the playoffs healthy? Yeah, Miami, I think on paper is is the top of the next tier. Okay. Um, you know, I I don't think that they're in that that championship. I, I, and I say that 
having just come off a series where Butler was, you know, the Celtics collapsed and Butler was a jumper away from sending them to the finals. So if any Miami Heat fans are listening to to this, they'll be like, what are you, insane? But <laughs> it, the thing with Miami is they they keep finding a way to get, like Gabe Vincent becomes mm-hmm. a, a, a real important contributor. Max Struess becomes a really important contributor. And people will kind of make fun of Heat culture. I believe in Heat culture in that they are they they you have to buy in you have to be on the same page and you have to work hard and that is everybody's trying to build a culture and the heat have done it very very well but at the same time i mean how much more can they get out of those guys i, I just yes. feel like at some point the wheels are going to have to come off and Eric Spolstra's bag of magic dust that he sprinkles <laughs> onto these marginal players to become really important good players. I think that's got to run out at some point. Uh, but at the same time, you know, Bam is is if Bam at a bio can get more like be, become a more complete player, learn when to be aggressive, be, you know, learn some of what Jimmy Butler has. Uh, and they can figure out what to do with Duncan Robinson uh, if they can get him to be part of a functional defense at all, mm-hmm. uh, or or if they make a trade, if they turn around and make a trade. We just talked about this on the the Lockdown NBA podcast. Jake Madison and I, we we said, you know, how how good is Miami's trade package really? Which we both it agree- stinks. Okay, Tyler Hero. What are we doing with Tyler Hero? I'm going insane. <laughs> He's fine. He's totally fine. He's not getting you Kevin Durant. What are we talking about? Right. Uh, (laughs) That, with the volume turned down to about seven, rather than the 11 (laughs) that you were just at, was basically where we agreed uh, on that. But so so what that tells you is that the the heat, if we don't like the trade package, then that means the players aren't exactly as good as we thought. It, it, it's made out to be like individually you put those players somewhere else. I don't think they're expected to do some of the same things. So mm-hmm. I, I just feel like Miami has been overperforming for so long. Maybe, maybe that's just where they are. Maybe just having Spolstra and having Butler and, you know, having the heat culture is enough to take a team and raise their ceiling by 20%. And that that's where Miami is. Because I really feel like they're about twenty percent better than they should be, uh, mm. so I, I can't, I can't get over that. And I think in the regular season, they they'll they'll still find a way to like. I, I feel I think these other teams are still better than Miami, um, and like you said, a lot of guys are older, and mm. at some point that magic is going to run out too. I I do wonder if you know when they went to the bubble. I mean, all the teams that went deep in the bubble, except for, I guess, the Nuggets really struggled to, you know, make deep runs the following year. You know, teams that went super deep, right? Yeah. And I do wonder if maybe another deep playoff run where they go to Game 7 of the Conference Finals actually kind of hurts their bounce-back ability as an old team. Like, maybe that's just me being too simplistic about it, but they got old guys, man. And Kyle Lowry, you know, was super hurt in the playoffs, and Jimmy Butler was certainly not healthy either. They still almost got it done because they, again, all that magic pixie dust you were talking about. But 
I I think I'm with you in that I probably put them just below that top tier of teams in the East, and, and then it leads me into the team that I like uh, and cover, the Toronto Raptors, who finished fifth in the East last year, uh, two games clear of the Bulls, who were sixth. Uh, you got the Nets in seventh last year, 44 and 38. I don't know what to make of the Nets. Maybe they bring everybody back and everyone's happy and they win 60 games. Who's to say? I don't know. I'm going to assume it will be a tire fire again because it seems like they're just, they saw the tire fire happen and were like, what if we did that tire fire again <laughs> with everyone angrier? That one seems a little dicey to me, but you mentioned that you think the Heat are kind of in that next tier. How would you personally assemble the next tier of the East? And where does that tier cut off, do you think? Let's call it, Let's call this like, not contenders, but like playoff locks or play in lock types. Yeah. So that, that's going to be your Raptors. I think um, Miami, I think Chicago, if they can stay healthy, can stay in that, in that tier, but at the lower end and Brooklyn, Brooklyn is the, is, is the wild card here. I have no idea. Um, I, I don't know where I, the Knicks, I don't know where the Knicks ultimately fall. They they're they're a Are we assuming part. they're getting Donovan Mitchell? I feel like that one we can almost assume, but I feel I, really I feel know. like we can assume that. So we gotta see what that trade is and then what's what's the ultimate final version of the Knicks? Do they trade Julius Randle because of the if they get Donovan Mitchell? Is that something that happens? What do they get back for him? I need to see the final mix there. The I can tell you the final are... mix. It looks something a lot like a worse version of uh, Dame and CJ. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like I, I don't. So I, I feel like I feel like this next tier is pretty small. I mm-hmm. feel like this next tier might just be Miami and Toronto as the like. I, I feel like Miami and Toronto will be safe from the play-in mm-hmm. I, because I don't I don't know exactly what Atlanta is going to pull off. I have no idea how Dejounte Murray and uh, Trey Young are going to work together. I don't know if they're done making moves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how the Cavaliers are going to finally come together. Um, if that if if that magic that they had at the beginning of the season was just because they were young and happy and no expectations, and what do expectations do to them? Mm-hmm. Charlotte, I'm kind of I'm kind of like eh on Charlotte. The Knicks, I'm kind of eh. I think it's going to be a bad year for the Hornets, man. Yeah, um, you know. They're, that's a whole other thing. So yeah. so let's just say Miami and Toronto are around out my uh, – so we're at five there. I've got my top three. Miami and Toronto make my top five. The Raptors are maybe, and I say this in a very complimentary way, mm-hmm. the most annoying team in the <laughs> They just – you're just like – what do you do? What do you do with it? They're, they're, they're constantly good. And like, I don't know how, uh, they throw weird things at you. I think I've said this on, on your podcast before they'll throw every possible defense that they can get together on you. Nick mm-hmm. nurse on the sidelines drives me nuts. Um, and then <laughs> go out and you somehow still find out a way to find an available, Six seven guy with a seven and a half foot wingspan. Like your entire team is wings with plus wingspans, and that just makes your entire defense very very difficult. And you know, Scotty Barnes is is a stud in the making. Fred Van Vliet just is 
a guy that you at the same time root for and hate. <laughs> you know, you're like, God, God I hate that guy. And uh-huh. I, like, it feels not great to have a 5'11 guy owning you. I, I get it. No, it's like, what's this? What is happening here? So, I say this all with, like, seriously, like, extreme, extremely in the most complimentary way possible because you, you constantly find ways to take this talent in, in a similar way to Miami, but not like, not in that annoying culture way in the yeah. mad scientist was more mad scientist than, than anything in Toronto. And it's like, I can't, I can't discount. Now, I don't know if Toronto, Toronto is a wild card because you have a hell of a package to throw at Brooklyn if, if you want to. And mm-hmm. what does that do? Cause I feel like Toronto is kind of like floating along there in the KD sweepstakes. And now that things have quieted down and the Aiton thing has happened, other teams are now kind of like, all right, let's start coming out of the woodwork. Let's see what we can offer. Let's let's see how willing Brooklyn really is to have both of those guys come back. And if I was yeah. Toronto, I'd say, oh, let's – Let's give this a shot and let's see if we can do it without Scotty Barnes in the mix. Um, because if you can keep Scotty and you can get KD, well, now you got something there. Maybe, maybe Toronto, if you could pull that off, depending on the move, Toronto leaps into the top four with these other teams. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there's so many different machinations of trades. I don't think Scotty's getting dealt for for KD. And and I'd be a little. By the way, I wouldn't. Don't do I'd it. Be no. Very clear. No, no, no damn way am I doing that. No, not for a 34 year old dude with many many injuries. You just don't have any margin for error, right? Like one rolled ankle in a playoff series, and you've pissed away your whole future for nothing. So I I'm pretty staunchly against trading Scotty. And honestly, I, I am growing more and more okay with the idea of the Raptors not trading for Kevin Durant, just because I think what they have in house is. Pretty impressive, and I maybe am crazy, but I'm like talking myself into like 53 wins at this point. They won 48 last year and weren't really whole until the middle of January, and they have nine very good NBA players assembling their rotation with the addition of Otto Porter, with Thad Young and Chris Boucher back. Precious Achua is going to turn some heads this year. I'm convinced of that. I think he should start. Uh, and then Scotty, obviously, you know, not to mention literally the all NBA player. They have in Pascal Siakam, who was fantastic yeah. last season well, as well. Way. Here's the analogy I have for what, where I think the Raptors kind of slot into the Brooklyn Nets thing. I'm getting married next week, John. Very excited about it. It's lovely. My fiance, far better person than I am. Far more beautiful, far more uh, lovely, compassionate, I, I don't know your caring. Fiance. Yes, that's true. Yeah, obviously. So, uh, <laughs> love her. Uh, I am very thankful that she's settling for someone of the likes of me. In this Kevin Durant situation, I feel like the Raptors will be like me, and the Nets will be my fiance, who have everything to offer. Kevin Durant, literally my fiance, literally Kevin Durant, all the same thing. Just as wonderful, although she has more intact tendons. Uh, she, (laughs) she will have to, at some point, settle. She is for me. The Nets will, I think, at one point have to settle for a deal that maybe is not the grand package they've been looking for. 
And the best thing to settle for might be the Raptors package that includes OG Ananobi and Gary Trent Jr., all the picks. And I would guess if it does come to it, Precious Achua may be the sweetener that you throw in to mm-hmm. beat some other deal when other teams are like, all right, best offers are on the table. What are you going to do, Nets? You have infighting happening in the middle of October on your team. Uh, what are you going to do? And I feel like if the Raptors are going to get KD, it's because they have settled. Much like if I am going to get a lovely wife, it's because my fiance is settled. So that's kind of where I come at it. Um, but unlike the Raptors, uh, who will be fine if no, if the Nets don't settle for their package, I would be a broken mess. So that's where the analogy kind of falls short. Uh- <laughs> well, as as a lover of analogies, a known <laughs> analogy lover. Uh, I can appreciate that one. That was fantastic. Also, congratulations, man. Good. Thank for you. you so much. Good Very for you. you. I, yeah. you know, it's. I'm glad the, the Kevin Durant trade is going to happen while the wedding is happening or something. Sure, I know this is what's going to happen for sure. the symbolism. Two people settling at once. Uh, so, <laughs> like the uh, Raptors, think... like the Raptors, you pulled off some weird magic and and got a win that you probably didn't deserve. Yep. There you go. Uh, yeah, and I think I'm with you in that. I think the Raptors are going to be kind of in that 4-5 mix. I, I, I honestly would not be shocked if they got home court in the first round just with – I think they're going to be a bit of a regular season wins machine because that's what Nick Nurse teams tend to do when they don't get COVID uh, <laughs> and, and aren't playing in Tampa Bay. That's just kind of the way they roll, and they have enough guys now where I think they can kind of balance – trying to win games while also not having to ride their guys 40 minutes a night like they did last year, which did not end well for Fred Van Vliet's hips and knees. Um, Who do you think, like, we can leave Brooklyn out of this because if they're fully functioning, then they're probably in that top tier anyway with the moves they made to bring in Royce O'Neal and they have, I guess, Ben Simmons. Who knows what the hell the deal is there? I don't know. Uh, you know, they, they they obviously will have a whole lot of talent if they do bring the crew back and go on some sort of revenge tour uh, of some kind. So we can leave them out of this. But it, what is the team beyond those? You mentioned Chicago. I'm not terribly thrilled about Chicago because I just think uh, they didn't really do a whole lot in the offseason. A lot of other teams got better. And Lonzo Ball not being fully healthy yet really, really worries me, man, because he was yeah. so important to them. So I don't think for me it's Chicago, but if there is a team outside of the top five from last season's East that jumps into the top five and displaces either a Miami or a Toronto, what team do you think that is? Is it a team from the play-in mix or is it a team from the, the eliminated teams that didn't make it last year? You know, the only ones of which that really tangibly improved were maybe Detroit and the Knicks, you know, and we they might yeah. get Mitchell. So maybe that kind of changes things here too, even though I think that team will be so, so bad defensively, it will make me want to cry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I don't see like Orlando, Indy, Washington. I I don't I don't I don't know what the hell Washington is really going to be. They're uh, a depression in basketball form, is what they are. Yeah, yeah. That's that's going to be. I, I don't know. That, that that's a whole case study. Uh, I want to see what what they end up doing by the trade deadline and how Bradley Beal feels about all of that stuff. So remember when they were eight and two last year. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> People are like, you know, oh yeah. I mean, that were, that was uh, no, those were some wild times. Um, <laughs> so I don't know that anybody outside of the play-in is good enough. The Knicks will be good enough to make the play-in. Yeah. Um, the Pistons are going to be a fun team to watch. I think the Pistons are. 
poised to be a very dangerous team maybe in the following season. And they mm-hmm. will be the team that gets like, – like last season, they had a bunch of wins against teams that they probably should have lost to. In fact – All against the Raptors. Yeah. They, they yeah. never <laughs> lose to the Raptors. Dwayne Casey is undefeated. They will go 4-0 against the Raptors next year too. The Pistons were 13-40 and 40 against teams above 500. For a team that was second – like that that's that's actually not bad to get 13 wins and i think a lot of those came later in the in the uh in the year mm-hmm. so i think the pistons are a year or two away but they will be a, you'll have to go beat the pistons cuz they they still have a lot to prove so if you if any team feels like they're going to waltz into detroit and like yeah we, we got this win we're going to we're just, this is going to be the half asset cuz we're tired and it's mm-hmm. been a, a long road trip and we're just going to try to shoot our way to a win you're going to lose that game against Detroit. Uh, but I don't know that they're going to make it. I, I, I think they're still going to be outside of the play-in looking in. So who jumps up from the play-in? Okay, we're leaving Brooklyn out of it because they – whatever. Um, <laughs> Brooklyn's its own conversation. You know, I, if Atlanta gets their act together, then that that's going to be the team uh, because – I. Not Cleveland? No, I mean Cleveland maybe. Maybe could possibly. I'm not. I'm not saying no. Um, I just. I, I felt like they had a lot of their success was Ricky Rubio fueled, and when mm. Rubio went down, that kind of like changed a lot. Um, I, I'm. I. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. They. They have a lot. They have a lot that you can hang your hat on they've garland um um just drew a blank on the, the second best rookie in the nba yep yes mobley yep thank you thank you <laughs> Woo. uh been painting all day the paint fumes are getting to my head it's all right uh, scotty barnes is just so amazing that you can't I mean, even just, think of any other rookies he's the only one scotty barnes and everyone else mm-hmm. uh, so uh, it was very much it was very much like that was the uh the Seinfeld with the three tenors, and they're like, and that other guy. Uh, <laughs> but no, you know what? Atlanta, because I mean, Dejounte Murray is very good. Obviously, Trey Young is is exceptional. Uh, I feel like last year, the Hawks went into the season, and, and I shouldn't even say I feel like they flat out said that they didn't care about the regular season last year. They went into the regular season saying. Oh yeah! After after a deep playoff run, the regular season is boring. And then they played like they were bored by the regular season, mm. and lo and behold, it cost them, and they had the early exit. So, from if, from an Atlanta perspective, you would hope, okay, if we take this seriously again, they can they can get. I mean, there were only three wins out of the six seed. So, can they win five more games? Can they get up to being a fifty win team? I think the Hawks can do that. So I think the Hawks are a prime candidate to to make that that jump. The Cavs could be in there. This could come down to a tiebreaker. I mean, if we're already penciling in five teams and there's only one slot left and and Cleveland can be in the mix, I think Atlanta I, – I just, I just put my stock in Atlanta for having been there. Um, yeah, and it, that's – 
that that's where I'm that's where I'm leaning. I think I probably like Cleveland a little bit more just because I think they can build a defense that's going to win you regular season games in a way that I I'll believe it when I see it that a Trey Young led team can build a real defense around Trey Young and Dejounte Murray's a great start at that. Uh, you know, DeAndre Hunter is awesome, of course, but I, you know, they've had very good defenders around Trey Young in the past. Maybe they have more now and there's no Kevin Herter to worry about, but he still is so bad defensively that unless there's like a slight uptick into he's like not the worst defensive player alive, but is more like the 300th best defensive player alive, (laughs) then you can talk me to the Hawks being like a regular season wins machine. I also think their run to the conference finals, not to be like, all these runs are fake or whatever, but they played a couple of busted teams, man. That Knicks team stunk. That Knicks team was a for a, 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 a benefactor of an Eastern Conference that was ravaged by COVID that uh, just happened to sort of like fall into a bunch of wins by being effectively annoying more than good. And like the Hawks beat them summarily, as I think you probably should have expected looking at them on paper. And then that Sixers team was the most broken team we've maybe ever seen to the point that they never played together again. So I will believe the Hawks thing when I see it. You know, certainly could happen and it'll look stupid. They could win 55 games and, you know, they're the, the two seed. But I don't totally buy them as like a regular season whinge juggernaut just yet. Whereas the Cavs, I think... You know, you get Colin Sexton back from injury, assuming they're going to bring him back at this point because no other teams have cap space. So I'm just uh, guessing he'll sign the, the, the QO and be around for a year. I don't know. Um, you know, Kevin Love was really good last year. I don't know when Ru- Ru- Rubio is coming back from his injury. If he does come back, great. If not, at least they have his vibes in the room. And, you know, they get like Agbaji in the draft and you get another year of Karis LeVert kind of getting acclimated, even though I'm not the hugest Karis LeVert fan. I think Isaac Okoro still has a little bit to tap into. Mm-hmm. I think that Cavs team could be pretty good, but I think I'm with you in that. Like the top top five feels pretty ironclad to me compared to the rest, barring some Nets thing that happens where they just become the Nets we thought they would be three years later. Um, my last question for you, John, because we're running long, is is the East going back to being the lesser conference after just one measly year of being the better conference? The West. I look over to the West now, and I'm like. Maybe that's a conference. This East, five good teams, maybe six or seven you could talk yourself into. Uh, the West is going to be an absolute nightmare again, and I'm glad the Raptors and the Celtics are not in there because, uh, I mean, it'd be fun if the Celtics had to go play those teams, I guess, for my purposes. But uh, I, I think we might be sitting here looking at that one-year 2021-22 window as the golden age of <laughs> the, the Eastern Conference that lasted for a, a brief fleeting moment. What do you think? Well, I don't know. Let's see. I mean, Phoenix... I think Phoenix is due to come back down to earth a little bit. I don't think they're a 64 win team. So Phoenix, Phoenix will be good, but I'm, I'm very curious to see what Phoenix can be. Obviously Memphis, Golden State, Dallas is just working my way down the standings from last year. They're all still very good. Denver Nuggets are going to, I think could be the number one seed overall, uh, giving that everybody's healthy. So now you've got five good teams. Utah is very clearly not going to be one of those teams anymore. So they're mm-hmm. out. Uh, you can replace them with Minnesota if you want. Minnesota. I think the Wolves are going to be – everyone, j- like, knocks the trade. The Wolves are going to be awesome. They're going to win a lot of games, man. Sure. Um, and then – so that that now puts you – that that's your that's your six. So in the East, we had a, a really good top five. And then the Clippers are, are, are going to be really good. So that's seven, uh, assuming they're all healthy and, and – I think at full strength, 
The Pelicans will probably be pretty good, so that's eight. Um, and then after that, Spurs I can see a Blazers out. bounce back. I think Blazers have, Blazers will be their okay. moves made a lot of sense, even if they're not like the sexiest team. I think they their moves made a lot of sense. Like yeah, they'll building be okay. basketball team on Dame, as yeah. usual. Depends on yeah. Dame. Um, so yeah, so the West will be the better conference, um, very likely. <laughs> but you know, it, but let's be honest here. Okay, so the East was the better conference last year. I think the East still probably has out of out of the top the 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 league's top ten teams. Mm. The East, I don't know. Three, they could have, they could four, they could it could it could be split pretty evenly at yeah. the top. Um, but and then after, but then after this year, you have questions about where's Phoenix going to go. Yeah. Um, what what the, the Clippers always seem to be hanging on by a thread. Uh, what's going to happen with Damian Lillard? So it's still kind of a tenuous kind of back and forth. I, I Even if the West is back this year, it's not like it was in years past where it's very obvious like, oh, well, here we go. Here comes all the real, you know, let's just eliminate conferences again. Like all that talk's going to come back up. Of course, yeah. you know, once the East got good again, everybody's like, forget forgetting about that that plan. <laughs> um, I think, it's almost I think as if these things, in theory, are cyclical. Although, right. you know, the West has had the run of it for a while. I, I don't think it'll yeah. last forever, though. I don't think. I don't think yeah. this is the type of like extended run that we're because some of these teams in the West are due for drop offs pretty quickly. My my other thing too, just to close, is that as the thunder rolls in very loudly outside my window, uh, I I do think that the sort of big takeaway here is that the league is really good, and there are a lot of really good teams that can make a claim to being playoff teams, top six teams, what what have you. And I think it's a pretty awesome place for the league to be in. Yeah, there are probably going to be like six, seven teams that try to win 11 games next year to try to get Wembenyama. Uh, but like the teams that are good, I think it's going to be kind of like a lot of slugfests night to night in the Eastern Conference. All right. That was a fun conversation. It's a great way to uh, end this portion of the season. Celtics are there's tinkering around the edges, obviously, and who knows what's going to happen with the Kevin Durant trade. Who knows if the Celtics are going to get involved in the Kevin Durant trade. If it happens in a Donovan Mitchell trade, if it happens, they could still be a third team. So things can change still, but I feel good about at least the top of the East, which is where I think the Celtics are going to be at least in one of those top three spots. We'll see how the regular season plays out, but for now, I feel good about where where I have these teams. You can let me know if you uh, disagree. You can always comment. If you're watching the show on YouTube, comment below. Start a discussion. We can we can get into it there. You can always tweet me at John underscore Corrales on Twitter and tell me what you think. And, uh, you know, where whatever your opinion is, I'm sure one of us will be proven right. We'll see. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, again, the show is on YouTube. I would love it if you follow the show on YouTube. Make sure that you're liking and getting uh, notifications and commenting and all that and sharing the podcast. That's the most important thing to me. Share the podcast, tell your friends, tell everybody that they should be listening to and watching the Lockdown Celtics podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network.